Hi, and welcome to the Well Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books and also talk about royals, <laughs> because there's a lot going on with the royals this week. Uh, so we are recording this on Monday night, uh, January 13th. And by the time this comes out on Friday, who knows what else will have happened? Who knows? Who knows? But the end of last week, Meghan and Harry announced that they were going to be stepping back as senior royals and spending part of their time in Canada. So what does this mean, Anne? We don't yeah. know. We don't, we don't know, know but it. We're grateful because it inspired a podcast topic for us when totally we both did. were a little bit mentally hungover from <laughs> Christmas and New Year's. So yes, yeah. So it was very uh, nice of them to it was very shake nice things up to blow up their world. Uh, but yeah, so you and I both have an interest, I would say, in the royals. Yeah, fair. Yeah, for sure. I so when I was a preteen, like maybe eleven to fourteen. I guess so partly a teenager, I was super obsessed with the British royal family, but not the current royals. I was I was really into history. And so that was kind of when I realized that you could you could move from fairy tale princesses to real life princesses and that there were things to study with that. And it was completely fascinating to me. So um, so I was super into like Eleanor of Aquitaine and Queen Victoria and the Tudors, but specifically the Six Wives of Henry VIII. And I never, during that period, like once it got to the 20th century, basically, I just lost interest. And so I never was into the modern royalty until really recently. And I think that that is a combination of the royal we and the Netflix show The Crown and then the Harry and Meghan wedding made me Mm. really, really interested in it. And so kind of in ways that the William and Kate wedding didn't. So I guess maybe the Americanness sort of made that more I don't know it just was so interesting of, of mm-hmm. having this American commoner marry into the royal family and having it work and not having it be a Wallace Simpson style right. breakup thing so well um, we shall see yeah as <laughs> we don't know kidding. that yet no, so. I, no I don't mean I don't I'm not implying they're going to break up I mean no like, but what, to bust things up and, right they're they are blowing things up a little bit yeah things have been done so yeah so it's so it's been kind of a fun change in the past whenever they got married two years ago to Mm -hmm. um and then the royal we came out like 2015 i want to say or 2014 so so it's it's sort of fun to have this new facet of something that i know a ton about but don't know much about this right version of it so i i've really liked it it's been great how about you what what are your what levels are your obsession (laughs) so i was interested i guess when william and kate got married but not not leading up to it. It's not like I was interested really. I you know I knew it was I don't how to like I knew it was going on, but it's not like I was reading everything about it or anything yeah. like that. And I think it was I go I speaking of the royal we I like the website Go Fug Yourself and oh yes those are um, Jessica Morgan and Heather Cox are the authors of the book The Royal We, which is basically like William and Kate fan fiction about an American instead of um, a British girl which uh, it freaks me out a little bit i know like, that they did that after the fact it's so creepy I know. that that it really feels like this mashup of kate and megan i know in ways I know. they couldn't have known they so. could never have known it but yeah, yeah they do so they followed you know the fashion basically they're a fashion like a 
funny fashion blog, pretty much. And they would post about Kate and Kate's fashion. And I think maybe that's what sort of got me started because I didn't know really anything about any of them prior to that marriage or that wedding. Um, But then they do, they'll post about when they go on trips places and they'll do posts about their visits there with all the different pictures. I don't know. I sort of like their commentary on the Royals. I think that's Mm -hmm. part of what drew me into paying attention to it. So then, and then they do on Fridays, they do a Royals roundup and it's not just the British Royals. It's Royals from mostly European, but they do the Japanese Royals and, and various other places as well. Sometimes depending on who they can get their photo, um, you know, what photo credits. So I guess that's what it is. And so that's, and that's mostly how I still even pay attention to it. It's not like I'm seeking out a bunch of information other places, but I do pay attention to what their blog does. I like, I like them. Um, I like, again, I like their voice. And so I pay attention and they, they cover a lot of Royal stuff because I think it does pretty well for their blog. I think they get lots of eyeballs on the things that they post. I think they're pretty fair in their mm-hmm. in their posts about them and about all of the royals and and they come up like for the kids. They have little personalities for the different kids and and it's just <laughs> funny. It just makes me smile. And so I think that's that's where it came from. I mean, I do like uh, I do love a good book about Anne Boleyn or yeah. or other, you know, I do love a Tudor a Tudor historical fiction, but but generally I was never super into it and now the reason I pay attention is um mostly because I like I like all the people involved from just as an observer it's just I like seeing what they do I like seeing what they wear I like seeing their kids I don't know it's just fun and you know it's just a whole world that we will never be a part of so and it's interesting something like this you don't know that after Megan paved the way you never know you never know uh but yeah I mean it's and it's interesting now to see I we are not privy to the conversations that have gone on behind the scenes, but um, that Harry and Meghan are making this major decision to change the course of what I'm sure everybody else thought that their lives were going to look like, that they would be part of the royal family and doing all the the royal obligations and that and that come with a lot of privilege but there's a lot of scrutiny as well and so i mean good for them forging their own path but it was the way they went about it felt maybe not like the best way it seemed like yeah. it maybe came as a surprise to to the queen and and the other members of the family but you know i think that there's probably a lot of stuff that they have to deal with that that they don't want their children or their child at this point to have to deal with. So right. they feel like well, this is the move like, they want to make. Right. And it, and it sounds like a lot of the choices even to, um, to announce it weren't exactly how they wanted to do it, but it their hand was forced a little bit. And so, so it, it, there is like a gossip aspect that it's, mm-hmm. that is very, titillating and mm-hmm. fun to to speculate on of, of yeah. whether like who was involved with this decision and who right. who's sort of who in the background made them decide to do this in kind of a, a weird way yeah um, and and just the the various speculation online about that is is a very fun rabbit hole to go down even if i don't really care one way or the other it's yeah. just a fun topic to read about. It totally is. What I don't like seeing is when they are 
making it all about Kate and Megan. And then yes. it's like that they can't get along or something. Because yes. I just feel like it's, first of all, much more complex than that, I'm sure. And also, don't blame it on the women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like yeah. if it were up to the women, they would figure out a way to make this all right work yeah uh, and it's just such a such a stereotypical yeah, like cat yeah. fight right right um trope that that yeah. sells papers in, right. in such a stupid way so i don't like that at all yeah. um, i mean obviously i want them all to be bffs but yes i think that it's a little bit more complicated than than just the wives don't like each other right um so yeah so imagine you mentioned... that the life oh, being, life being more complicated than just <laughs> women not getting along yeah who knew that that's how it could be who knew um but yeah so you mentioned the royal we which i think we are going to say as a blanket statement that if if you're interested in the royals and have not read the royal we that you should do that post haste and there is actually (laughs) a sequel coming out in june called the air affair i don't really know anything about it beyond that it just the royal we ends well, I shouldn't even say how it ends because I think there's a little bit of a question when yeah. you're reading that book of how it's going to end. So I'm not going to say how yeah. it ends, but it just continues the story of the William and Kate characters. Of, um, I don't remember their names. Bex is the Bex girl, I think. and Nick, I Nick. think. Yes, okay. And then Freddie is the Harry, Harry character. Yeah. That. So, but yeah, so read the, read the, uh, the Royal We. And then a book that I just talked about very recently that I think would be a, a Another good one, if you like royals, is Red, White, and Royal Blue, because I think that that's another fun inside peek into royal life. Um, And that also has the American presidency, too, as part of, because it's the first son. So anyway, so those are two that we've talked about before. So we weren't going to talk about them as like our individual picks, but wanted to throw those out there. Yeah, they both feel kind of I haven't read Red, White, and Royal Blue yet, but I, my book club is reading it this coming month, so I've, I've oh, held good. off on that. But, um, but they both feel like if you if they're like the canon at right. this point, for, at this point, yeah, for this this type of of book. So, yeah. yeah, I can't. I'm so excited about the sequel. I so I don't know what to expect. I know that it's not a Harry and Megan story or, no, or take it, off on that. Yeah, even though the cover is definitely alluding to mm-hmm. to the both of them. But I don't know what what it will be. I know that that we were really excited at one point that there was going to be a movie of the uh, Royal We, and it sounds like Lauren Graham is no longer involved in that, from what I've read. So I don't know what the um, future of that movie will be, but I am there for it whenever it happens. Yeah, so if fingers it does crossed. Happen. I know. I was. It was Lauren Graham and somebody May Whitman maybe was going yes, to play yes. Bex. Yeah. So I know I was so excited when that was going to happen. It's a shame that that seems to have fallen apart a little bit. But you never know. It could be revived. Yeah. I think it's still optioned. It's just yeah, not it's not current. in development. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what's your first suggestion for fans of the Royals? My first book is *The Wrath and the Dawn* by Renee Adier, and this is a retelling of *One Thousand and One Nights*, um, which most people I think are familiar with but if you're not then the basic premise of that um, collection of stories is that there's a king who uh, marries a, a young woman every day and then kills her that night and so a woman named Scheherazade saves her life by telling part of a story each night but doesn't finish it so there's kind of a cliffhanger and the king is too curious to uh, find out the ending to actually kill her so so this is how she she um uh, sort of breaks this this curse on women, basically. 
And so this this is a, a YA book that tells the basic story and it has all those same details, but it imagines if that story isn't exactly what it seems, which I love those books so much. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here for that. And the king in this story is an 18-year-old uh, young man named Khalid, and he marries a new bride each day and then has her killed that night. And the Shahrazad character is named Sharzad, and she is beautiful and headstrong. And she volunteers to marry Khalid after her best friend is one of his victims, and she's completely devastated by by this friend's death. So she goes into the marriage planning to take revenge, which I think is a super fascinating motivation in in a book like this, because usually fairy tales are about gaining wealth and power. And if there's a selfless young woman, it's that she's trying to help her family like rise in status. It It, it just is... It isn't this revenge story usually, and and so that's the fact that she's she's trying to stop a monster and she's trying to protect the women of the kingdom is is a much more altruistic motivation than we usually see in in a fairy tale. So so I found that a, a very refreshing um, change on what we know from the story. Sharzad starts uh, after she gets married. She starts the story and it keeps Khalid intrigued until dawn, and he gives her a reprieve until the next day when she can finish the story. And this goes on for many nights. Unlike the fairy tale, you start to see this relationship between them build, and Sharzad finds out that Khalid and the deaths are not at all what they seem to be, and. And it just builds this really fascinating relationship between the two of them. And so it, the book itself has this beautiful, very lush language, and the setting is really gorgeous and just kind of this intoxicating, um, otherworldly fantasy setting um, that's based on the Middle East, that, that, but with a more fantasy element to it. And there are food descriptions in this book that... I, I think the first time I read it, I had to drive down to Savannah and go to a Persian restaurant so I could <laughs> I could read and eat at the same time because it just was it, they were too good to pass up. So, um, so there's lots of lots to recommend it, and the female characters are are really nicely written because they're not just there's definitely a romance obviously in this book, but the motivations are not romance based. It takes a little bit more of a nuanced look at at the relationship, and it has a more nuanced look at royalty, which is usually just a one note kind of thing um, in fairy tales. So, it's I I really enjoyed this first book. I I will say I didn't love the second book, but I know that I was reading this when I recovered from one of my surgeries, so I was having a hard time concentrating anyway, and I um can't really blame the book on that. <laughs> but I also want to advocate for someone out there who is not me to make a database of YA books that have all of the characters listed with spoilers because I can never remember any characters after the fact when oh, I right. when I read a YA book and I don't really want to reread every single book that I right. have ever read just for the sake of the series and so I think in mysteries it's a little bit easier to follow along because they're usually kind of self-contained in in each book and then the characteristics sort of uh, travel from book to book, but and, and maybe like there can be some some story arcs there, but there doesn't it it isn't quite so split up in the way that it is with YA series. So someone get on that. I will be your first reader. So. <laughs> I would totally agree with that. It would be fantastic. So that is The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Adier. I feel the same way. I loved the first book. I think I read it after you talked about this on the podcast several years ago when yeah I a long time ago a long 2015 time ago. probably oh wow yeah so um and then read the second one and was not as much of a fan so I do think you could stop after the first one and feel 
satisfied. Although, does it end on a cliffhanger? It might. I think it does because that's yeah. standard for yeah. YA right. everything. But but they, there isn't any explanation at the beginning of the, or like recap, I should say, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the second book, which I think is what was making it so hard for me because I, yeah. it had been three years or two yes. years since I had read that first so one. So maybe it's more remember. if you just read the read them almost as one book and just go straight from the first book. To yeah, the read it back book. to you back, might, I would yeah, say. Yeah, like it more. Okay, so my first one is A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. And have you read this, Anne? No, but can I can I say something quickly? Sure. <laughs> so when we were doing our show notes, Hallie went first and I thought, oh, I better do, I know Hallie's going to do all romance <laughs> things. So I was very pleased because I didn't have any of those. And I thought, oh, Hallie's going to come with the romance, the, the yes, royal romances. Fact, yeah, spoiler alert, all of mine are romances. Right. I, 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 I was going to then go a different route as I was picking my books. And then I was like, no, these are the ones I want to talk about. Right. I was so glad you did because I didn't have any. Or, or one of them I do have. We have an overlap. Um, but I I couldn't remember it well enough to probably talk about it. Yeah. And so I was really happy when I saw the route you took because I thought she's she's doing the work that I can't do myself. Well, and I was just thinking, like, what I enjoy about all of the royal watching now is the current day, like the generation of current royals not right. historical as much so i thought well i'm just gonna go i'm gonna embrace it yeah because and in fact even when i was thinking about talk with books to talk about i was like they're all sort of the same story <laughs> i mean they're not <laughs> they're not but uh, you'll you'll know as i talk about them there's I mean. definitely an audience for this type of story so yeah, i think well, i think you're completely fine on that and it's it's very much the prince and a commoner yeah it's kind of the the thread that joins all of these um, all right, so Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole is the first one. This is the first book in what is a trilogy so far, but I do believe there's a fourth book coming out soon. And doesn't she have novellas kind of thrown yes, in Yes, and there are novellas okay. thrown in. That's um, what I thought. So, yeah, I read them, but, but they look great. The novellas, so far at least, I've only read one of them, but the novellas aren't about the royalty people or the... There, like the one I read was about a, somebody who is the assistant to oh, okay. the prince guy. You know what I mean? So, so sort of tangential, right? I mean, they're all characters too. that are in the series, but they're not part of the royal people. Okay. Anyway, so this is sort of like a modern version of the movie Coming to America. Did you ever see that with Eddie Murphy? <laughs> all those years. I ago? think I have, but not but, for like thirty years. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So. so the main character is a woman named Nell. I think it's Naledi Smith, and she is an epidemiology graduate student. She is very focused on her studies, so she and does not come from a privileged background. So she has to work and is almost having trouble making ends meet, even with working and going to school. It's just a struggle. It's just like she she works hard. She doesn't really have time for a social life. And she keeps getting emails that claim that she is betrothed to a prince. And she ignores them because it's just like any of those scam emails that you get that say, you are going to inherit $10 million. You just have to give me your social security number and bank account information. So she just ignores them. Such a good take on the Nigerian prince. (laughs) I know. I love it. It's so great. 
so in this case, there actually is a real prince, and his name is Thabiso, and he is desperate to find this woman because he has grown up thinking that she will be his wife. As children, they were promised to each other, and so in his mind, it's a kind of a done deal. It's just a matter of finding her, whereas she does not know any of this information. Her parents left, I think the country is the solo I think but the thing is it's sort of a take on Lesotho which is spelled the opposite way so I'm not sure I'm basically what I'm saying is I don't know if I'm saying any of these words right but we're just gonna go with it (laughs) they are able so they've been sending her these emails she is not responding he says all right well I'm just gonna go find her because obviously if she sees me and I can talk to her and explain the situation then all will be clear and we'll be fine so he finds her at work. She's a she works at the as a caterer at the university where she works and um or in like at the cafeteria. And he shows up and she assumes that he is a new employee who's supposed to be there that night. So she is kind of short with him and she says, "You're late. Get started. Go grab this, go do that." You know, puts him right immediately to work. And he just jumps right into it because he thinks, <laughs> first of all, it sort of takes him by surprise because she just immediately takes charge and tells him what to do. And so he thinks, okay, well, I'll go do that. But then he really likes the idea because he thinks, I can get to know her as a, a regular person and she doesn't know I'm a prince. And so she is not going to have all of these expectations or ideas about who I am or how I should act or how she should act or she won't be intimidated, all these different things. So he loves this idea. And he ends up getting an apartment across the hall from her by paying her neighbor to go on this tropical vacation. And so suddenly he's <laughs> just like living across the hall from her. And so it is it goes from there. And it doesn't I should say it doesn't he doesn't keep his identity a secret through the whole, whole book. It does come out who he really is. Uh, and, and then the book continues on from there. But it's so charming. And the way the their love story is developed feels even though this is a spectacular situation of a prince coming and and kind of sweeping her off her feet in a way, uh, it does feel real. Like the way they connect with each other feels very, very real. And it's really funny, but it also explores real, real issues. I loved that the main character is super smart and she's an epidemiologist and that ends up playing a role in the story. And I don't know, it just, it feels like these are good, strong female characters that she writes. And it's a delight to read pretty much. All three of them really are. I've I've read, actually, no, I haven't read the whole second one. I I started listening to the audiobook and then switched to the print. And I don't think I ever, uh, I think it was due at the library or something. And so I couldn't finish it. (laughs) Um, But the third one I just read recently and really, really enjoyed that one too. And she just has this really nice way of writing these, these stories where care about the characters. You know, there's going to be a happy ending, but they feel like there are real stakes involved. Um, and they're just fun. I mean, this one in particular was really funny. We passed it around the office uh, several years ago when it was first out. It is A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. Is that the one that has the prettiest dress on yes, the cover? It's, it's like the beautiful. blue and orange one? Yes. It's <sighs> in fact, all of her... Well, no, the, that might be a Duke by default. That's the blue and oh, orange okay. one. I'm not sure. But they all have beautiful dresses on the cover and you can buy them all. <gasps> Oh, I shouldn't have in told you that. In fact, if you see Alyssa Cole, I've seen her at conferences, and she'll be wearing dresses from, like, the dress from her covers. Oh, that's so fun. I know. It's so neat. <sighs> Romance authors are the coolest. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, what's your next one? Uh, my next book is The Daughter of Time by Josephine Tay. And uh, this is considered one of the greatest mysteries of all time. So that's a recommendation. I'd say. Um, yes, it was written in 1951. And Josephine Tay is kind of, she's considered one of the, or part of the golden age of mystery writers. And this is probably her most famous book, but she's sort of, she's not famous like Agatha Christie or Dorothy L. Sayers are because they she like never gave interviews or something like that where she, she I think Josephine Tay is even a, a pseudonym. Um, so she's super well respected within the romance or romance, the mystery community, but I don't, she's not a household name. So um, it's kind of an, an interesting place for someone to be where they've written what is one of the greatest mysteries of all time, but she's not famous at all for it. So it's, I find her kind of fascinating. So um, this book is actually part of a series that features a detective um, named uh, Alan Grant. And I've never read any of the others in the series. I've read some of her other standalone books, but but not uh, that series in particular. But this one, it definitely can be read as a standalone. So you're not, you're not missing anything if you uh, go into this without the previous books. So Inspector Grant is uh, in the hospital because he has broken his leg, I think, while he's investigating a case. And he will be there for a while because this is the 50s. And so you just stayed in the hospital forever. So he's completely bored while he's there. And his actress friend, Marta, brings him a stack of pictures of famous faces throughout history. And she knows that that in his detective work, Grant is often mesmerized by the insights that he learns by examining the facial features of people who are involved in his cases. So he he starts going through these these pictures and he's struck by the face of a person who's wearing kind of late medieval clothes and he thinks that it must be the face of a respected judge or a magistrate or something like that because he finds sensitivity and sadness and wisdom. But then he turns the picture over and he sees that it's a portrait of Richard III, who is famous for killing his two child nephews who were the rightful heirs to the English throne in like 1481 or something like that. They And then he he supposedly buried their bodies in the Tower of London. And so this has been much speculated on. There's been all kinds of uh, uh, searches for their bodies and then they were found eventually and blah, blah, blah. There's lots, lots to be read about this topic if you're interested. So Grant can't believe that a man with that face could do such a thing because they don't go together. He just knows inherently that those don't work together. So he decides to learn more about about Richard of York, and he's shocked to find out that Richard's entire reputation is built on the writings of people who lived after he had already died or the people who were his enemies in, in while he was still alive. And so he knows that something is adding up, and the more that Grant reads, the more he feels like he can determine who actually killed the princess in the tower. So I, I really love um, that this book applies the techniques of a criminal investigation to a super, super famous historical question. I think that's so interesting. It's such a fun choice. Um, and other authors I know have done this uh, later on. I know that there's a, a um, Inspector Morse book that kind of takes the same, that, that plays on the same question uh, or on the same idea, not not on quite such a famous question, but um, it, I think it's just ingenious. This is a book that has actually been assigned to me a couple of times in my history classes when I was in college, and it was such an amazing experience to learn that the the lessons about history that we learn are constructed in in what I don't even know how to explain it. Like, there's there's so many things that that you learn from reading this book that that you you could learn from 
having a professor lecture you about it, or you can read this great mystery novel that that teaches the same things in a in a really fun way. So um, we talked after the fact about how the person who tells the story is really key to what you learn about history and that you can't trust your sources without looking at the context of of how they came about um there's just there's so many things to to take from this book that are that are really great and i think it's it's crazy that even though historians have known for or or at least believed for decades or centuries that richard was probably innocent his reputation still hasn't changed from popular belief um in in those centuries because um shakespeare wrote a play about richard iii that is kind of the bible essentially on his reputation and that's that's just like all of the different pieces of this i find so so intriguing and and i love how um how all of them play out in the book uh, all these different little pieces of information that grant uses to to solve this case so i think that uh, if you love mysteries, this is great. If you love history, it's great. And if you love royalty, then it's it's really important to think about who uh, is how how that narrative is being played out. So, if you're a royal person, you're choosing how you want your your reputation to be. And and right now, as we're seeing with Harry and Meghan, there are so many uh, little bits of information that are getting out that are not what are part of are are, are not what they've they've chosen to. Uh, give to the the world or or uh, not what they've chosen to make their their front-facing personas Mm -hmm. and that's sort of blowing up a little bit and and all these things that have been happening behind the scenes are are not what i think they would have chosen to be what we know about them and that's that's just interesting to think about how that's that's played out throughout history so that is the daughter of time by josephine tay I read that book, I believe, when I was in high school, and I don't really remember it at all. So I, that's when I need to reread because it sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's it's kind of dense, um, but there are at least the copy that I had had a um, a family tree, which mm-hmm. was very helpful. So it's just great. I love it. Oh, good. Well, my next one is another romance, <laughs> which we've established is just the theme for me. Uh, it's called Royally Screwed by Emma Chase, and it's another series. The I think there are four in the series, but also there's a novella, at least one. So it's another one where if you like the first one, there's a lot to, to follow up with it. Um, and it's clearly based off William and Harry, at least the first two, and then it branches out a little bit because obviously they're just William and Harry, and then if there are four books in this series, they have to pick other people but um it's about the crown prince of a country that's made up i think it's called westco or something like that it's a it's a made-up country and his name is nicholas and he is very charming and handsome um but he also deeply feels his duty to his country and the expectations that are placed on him by virtue of his birth and the role that he is going to be playing and so as sort of a one last kind of fun thing he I think he's in New York and one night he's had a little bit too much to drink and he walks into a a diner bakery place and wants food but they've already closed and there's a woman there and he tries to charm her into giving in to whatever he's asking for and she's having no part of it it's time to close she's like get out (laughs) don't don't be charming with me I am not falling for this you need to leave he is um he's pretty smitten with her he thinks that she's 
interesting and, and a little bit of a challenge. And most people just do whatever he asks them because of his his role and so and his reputation. And she is she is not. And so he pursues her. And the whole time they both know that this is a temporary thing because he has this little bit of a reprieve before I think it's maybe four or five months later. It's like after the summer, at the end of whatever this period of time is, he is going to have to announce who his wife is because of some really archaic rules of his country. And so and and there are very specific guidelines for what who this woman can be. And and she has to be a citizen of his country. And at the end of this period of time, he is going to have to make this announcement. So there is a very finite span that these two can spend together. So they are just going to embrace it. They're going to have fun. But as you would expect, as the longer they're together, the feeling is deep in it, and it's not quite so simple as it they think it's going to be when they set out to do it. And it's just really smart and funny and it's a little bit steamy and it's fun. And it's um I don't I read this a while ago, so I'm not I don't know if the whole thing is from Nicholas's perspective or if it alternates between both of the protagonists, but it's not it's more typical now, but I remember when I read this book and it had to have been at least three years ago because I, I, I'm pretty sure I read it when I was still living in South Carolina. Um, it felt unusual to me that to have the male perspective in yeah. a romance. So often it is either from the woman's perspective or like an omniscient narrator kind of perspective. It is, it's not often, you're not always in the man's head. So that was kind of interesting. And I do, I do know I read this, but I have listened to other books by Emma Chase and um, on audio, I think that they're delightful. They are, they're, they're really fun because they're, they're pretty quick paced. And so they're good to listen to because they move along and a nice little clip and you're just sucked into the story. And so I would, if you can track this down on audio, um, I think that this would be a good one to listen to. So that is Royally Screwed by Emma Chase. And beware that the cover is like a shirtless man. So it might be a little, just be aware of that. I, it looks a little, say. it looks a little um, more scandalous than- It a, looks a, very erotic Yes, and it's not, it's not. That's the thing I was gonna say, it looks, it looks steamier and sexier than I remember the book actually being. Like I, yeah. I do think that there are some steamy scenes, but it's not it's not erotica by any means. And I don't know. So I would just say I think that the cover misrepresent misrepresents what's actually in the book. But that's just my opinion. Maybe not. Well, when I looked it up, because um, I I didn't know that book, and I looked it up when I saw your your mm-hmm. notes, um, I thought, oh my work. Yeah, it, it not looks what I was expecting from you to talk about right. with a. Uh, romance because right. it, it looks so erotic. Yeah, yeah. Books, I think style. And I now I'm just making things up because I don't know actually if this is true, but it may have been self-published at first or like a small oh, publisher. I yeah, don't yeah. think that this is a a major like a big five publisher. Yeah. So sometimes the book covers there there can be trends in the book covers that that are released either only digital or self-published that are a little bit different than than what you see from more mainstream publishers so yeah but i don't know i'm 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 making that up quite honestly i don't know that i have no that's not based in fact by any means it's just my speculation (laughs) all right but now it's truth i know i know (laughs) 
Oh, okay, my last book is Victoria the Queen, an intimate biography of the woman who ruled an empire by Julia Baird. And I know I've talked about this one before, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to talk about it again, because it's been a while. Mm -hmm. So the focus of this biography is to repaint Victoria as she actually was. So her she, she was a journal keeper through her entire life. But after she died, her youngest daughter, Beatrice, um, heavily censored her journals basically to remove anything that put Victoria in a bad light or anything that could be upsetting to the royal family as an institution. So um, anything that was, you you know, maybe off color at all, but also anything that was seen as too personal. So there are lots of details about Victoria's everyday life that are taken out just because they're, they're personal. And and that isn't how the British royal family has chosen to be seen um, up until pretty recently. Um, as you will, uh, if you're a fan of the crown, you see how that plays out in many ways. So there are lots of details about uh, Victoria's romantic and sexual relationship with Albert that are removed because they were considered too racy. And also her correspondence was edited by official court biographers who wanted to tell a story of a sweet innocent girl who became queen while under the tutelage of very important and wise men um and that's yeah (laughs) we don't need to say anything about that so as a result they removed nearly all of her hundreds of letters to other women of the era including letters to other reigning queens in europe which i would think would be completely um spellbinding and and uh these these kinds of details of one queen writing to another but her biographers called the letters to other women very tiresome and so this editorial decision ignored her incredibly strong personality and the huge effect that her mother her marriage and her pregnancies had on her role as a queen and it created this myth that victoria wasn't a maternal person so um so from lots of different fronts she's been sort of uh, reshaped into a figure that isn't very close to the truth. So, um, uh, a little bit about Queen Victoria. She became queen at the age of 18 in 1837, and she ruled until her death in 1901. And she was the longest reigning British monarch ever until, uh, her great, great granddaughter. There's, there might be another great in there. Um, but Elizabeth II broke that record, um, a couple of years ago. So, her her name has become synonymous with uh with an era uh, because her reign was so eventful and i love to think about how much the world changed from the beginning of her reign to the end and how her her name is synonymous with britishness so this is the era of dickens and um steam train travel and the heyday of the industrial revolution and the expansion of of britain as a global power and so there are lots of really remarkable things that came about during that era but also really terrible things that that have been focused on a little bit more in the past uh decade of the ways that that um the british empire uh changed things in the world not for the better so um i'm I'm very very fascinated by this this period of time so this uh book is is trying to reform the idea of victoria as this old sort of prudish monarch um and definitely the photography of the period isn't helping with that idea because she she very much looks that part when you see pictures of this kind of matriarchal angry woman but um her her journals themselves show that she was incredibly passionate and high-spirited and they actually reveal that a lot of the stiffness the stiffness and propriety of that era um came from albert rather from victoria and i i think that the 
um, Victoria TV show on PBS has kind of tried to portray that um, quite a bit. So uh, I think that any behind the scenes look at royalty is very big right now, but especially behind the scenes of Queens um, seems to be something that lots of people are, are trying to do in popular culture right now. So you have, like I said, the uh, PBS series Victoria and there was the favorite um, last year and the crown is is uh, still going and all of them are the women behind this this very proper cold sort of um, uh, demeanor and then shows who they were behind the scenes and I want all of it I cannot get enough of that so this is uh, a good pick for that if you're interested in that kind of thing so it's called Victoria the Queen by Julia Baird did we watch that together when you were at my house yes I think we did at least the first season yeah the first season I think that delicious uh, Rufus Sewell yeah that we I was very Enjoyed. distracted because she had these contact lenses and, yeah. or something, something about her eyes. I think it's gotten better in the, oh. in the seasons since then. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, it's very, it's very soap opera-y. Yeah. It's, it's a fun, I enjoyed it. I remember show. that. Yeah. I just remember thinking her eyes were distracting for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my last one is Royals by Rachel Hawkins. This is a young oh, this adult is a- book. I like this one. This is the one I thought I can't talk about because I don't remember enough about it, but I'm glad you're talking about it. Okay. So I actually think we're, I think she's written more since I read this, but I haven't been reading much young adult in the past couple of years. So I'm not sure, but this, um, this is definitely the first, if not, if there's more to it. And it's about a girl named Daisy who's a teenager. I think she's maybe 17 and her sister Eleanor is engaged, engaged to the crown prince of Scotland the summertime and Daisy has these big plans to hang out with her friend in, in Florida where she lives and they, she has a job and she's looking forward to this big uh, science fiction convention that's happening at the end of the summer. They're going to go. They're going to road trip. She's uh, like very into some aspect of the science fiction culture. She's very excited about it. And then um, her she breaks up with her boyfriend and her boyfriend tells the tabloid that the reason they broke up is because she is going to she's dating a prince like the part like the younger brother or something of the the prince that her sister is engaged to so the royals in scotland decide that she needs to come there so that they can manage the story and and she's a bit irreverent she's they want to control her basically they don't want her doing anything that's going to to shame them and so instead of this fun summer that she had planned, she has to go to this, what she considers to be the stuffy castle in Scotland and and take all these lessons on royal protocol and different thing. And, and then they can keep an eye on her. And they also want to plant some seeds that she is dating somebody that um, will make her look better, make the family look better, make everybody, make everybody look good. So she is not into the royal scene at all. She feels like it's all our just like old fashioned and just dumb. And like some of the things that they do, she doesn't see the point of, she makes it very clear to her sister. She doesn't see the point of it. So it's kind of a fun viewpoint, especially if you do like the Royals to see the perspective of this teenager. That's like, what's the big deal? I don't, I don't want to do any of this. (laughs) Um, And so she is just very reluctant to give into the, the glitz and glamor side of things. And, um, and she doesn't. She just doesn't want to give in to what she consider, considers to be stupid rules. So it's really engaging. It's light. It's 
It's again like a sneak peek into the royal side of things. There is a little bit of a romance. So there's this fake relationship that's that's set up and then there's another guy in the picture. And so there's a little bit of a romance that runs through it. It's just it's fun. It's a fun look at what it's like to be more on the periphery. So the other books that we've talked about are more like the central person that's going to be involved in the royal family. And this is this is more on, you know, somebody who is a part of things, but then you know, she didn't fall in love with somebody and want to marry him and end up like, that's not something she wants to be able to give up. Like she doesn't want to give up the freedoms she has. She's not her sister. So it was just a fun look. It's called Royals by Rachel Hawkins. I thought that book was so much fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it's so, it's so fun to think about the, the side people who yeah. didn't make the decision, but still their lives are completely changed and, yeah. and changed almost as much as the person who did make the yeah. decisions. And, and that's, that's a really fun take on it. And I, I really like in the Royal we where there's the family, to, mm-hmm. there's this family relationship that, that Bex has that how they choose to be involved or not be involved is very key to the yeah. book. And, yeah. and I love that there's that, like those are the people that kind of fascinate me the most because yeah. it's, it's just, uh, it seems a little bit more realistic of of what could happen to you. So yeah, I also love that. Doesn't the mom's um, doesn't the mom use a, a British accent every time she's around? Oh, I don't remember that. Pro- that sounds familiar. I don't remember. That I think that's, that's how funny. it works. That every time the prince that's is around, she suddenly <laughs> adopts this British accent. <laughs> that's funny. Which I think is hilarious. Yeah, I just thought it was a really like irreverent view of, of royalty. I think yeah. that was fun. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, I don't want to forget before we move on to what we're reading this week, but there's a really, really delightful movie called A Royal Night Out that I watched a few years ago. Have you seen this? I Is it a historical movie? Yeah, so it is, I think, based on some kernel of truth, which is... The, the princesses Elizabeth and Margaret went out as commoners on the night of VE Day to celebrate. Like they want to oh, go because yeah. all these people are celebrating and so they want to go pee a part of things. And so they sneak out of the castle and yeah. or sneak out of the palace and go. Anyway, it's 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 an adorable movie. So I, I think I watched it on Netflix or something. I don't think I rented it. I think I I, I feel like on it's it. on in my queue because I, I remember the image for yeah. it but I know I haven't seen it but the image I can picture so anyway it's really yeah. it's I know we talk about books here but I, I do think it's a movie that if you like the royals you would enjoy it it's fun yeah sometimes we talk about other things sometimes we've been known to <laughs> we've been known to get off track all right so we will be right back with what we're reading this week Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? Um, I'm about halfway through with a book called Kept Animals by Kate Milliken, and it's actually a forthcoming book. I was, I was reading it for work, um, but I, I thought I would talk about it here. So it comes out on April 21st, and it alternates between 1993 and 2013. So the 1993 sections are focused on a teenager named Rory Ramos who works at a stable in Topanga Canyon, California with her stepfather Gus and so her main um, task there is to exercise the horses of the rich clients who who keep their horses there but they're either too busy or they're not interested in actually doing the um, sort of the labor of that themselves so she interacts with these people every day but there's 
absolutely no overlap in their lives. She's she's a very, very blue collar person. And um, I think is even living, I think she and her, her stepfather and her mom live on the property of, of a rich uh, older woman who they uh, help take care of as part of their, their uh, rent. So she sees these people all the time, but they don't talk to each other. They don't, they, they have nothing to do with each other. The, the, the people that she works with. So um, one day her stepfather, Gus asks one of their clients who is another teenager named June Fisk to take uh, Rory home for one night. June is proudly queer, which is very unusual in the early nineties. It, it's kind of crazy how much the world has changed um, in the last 20 years, but that, um, from my memory would have been very, very shocking. So to have a, a, a teenager who is as proudly out as she is, 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 um, very interesting to read for that time period. And so she takes an immediate interest in Rory, even though she's completely ignored her up to that point, even though they've seen each other a ton. So June tells, or, or sorry, Rory tells June that from her bedroom window, she can see into the backyard of a famous movie star's house and that so she she sort of intrigues her by by giving her this piece of information and so what she also doesn't tell her is that almost every night she watches the movie star's daughter vivian swimming in their pool and rory is completely fascinated by her and it's this weird mix of attraction like like sexual attraction and envy so these are three families that that really have nothing to do with each other, but are are sort of butting up against each other in this pretty small geographical area. So these three families have nothing in common, but then one night Gus is involved in an accident that links all of them together, and especially the three girls start a, a relationship that um, wasn't possible before this accident, and things get really complicated between them, and um, there's you know, in the ways that teenage girls don't know whether they're friends or enemies. And there's also the sexual interest that that's kind of causing some friction there too. And all of this tension is building until the night of a wildfire in Topanga Canyon, which um, is a real fire that I did zero research on, but I did take the time to, to Google whether it was real or not. And this fire changes Rory's life. And then it alternates to the 2013 sections that are told by Rory's daughter, Charlie. And I, I've only encountered one of these, so I don't really know how it will shape up. But I think that there will be some questions about what really happened the night of the fire that um, Charlie is going to investigate. So um, if you're a fan of horses, there are tons and tons and tons of details about horses in this book, which I personally don't care about. But I think that for anyone else, that might be a, a interesting uh, tidbit that, that could be a hook for some other people. But what I do love are stories that have multiple threads that come together into one story that are sort of uh, revolving around one central incident. Um, I, I love books about that. And I also really love books that talk about the interplay between the rich and the poor and how they are forced to interact with each other when they hadn't until something sort of some catalyst happens to to force them to to interact with each other so um so far i'm liking a lot and it is called kept animals by kate milliken that sounds really good i don't think i know about that one so i'm putting it on my to read list good 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 yes 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 so what i am reading this week is a book called the passengers by john mars and it is set in basically our general timeline but it's it's a near future because self-driving cars are the standard, pretty much. Ooh, okay. Um, so what has happened is the government in Britain has decided that 
based on research, self-driving cars are safer than cars that are driven by people. And so there are different levels of, of what you can have, but a level five car is a fully automated car where basically there's no human involvement. You just get in, you mar- put in where you wanna go or you tell your car, like Siri, I wanna go here and it'll take you there. And so one day, eight different people get in their cars and, and each chapter is from a different person's perspective. So you're kind of hearing them or not here, you know, you're reading about what their plans are for the day or whatever. And then they get in the car and they start driving to their intended destination when something happens and their car diverts and is going to a different location. And they're confused and they're thinking what's going to happen. And then there's a voice that comes. Their, their immediate reaction is to try to say, tell the tell the car no no you know that's not where I want to go but it's sort of like you know when you use Waze or something and it'll give you an alternate route because there's traffic so they think Mm -hmm. oh no wait maybe it's because there's traffic so then it takes a minute to realize no something something's happening here and so a hacker gets on their speaker in each of their individual cars and tells them that in two and a half hours they're most likely going to die and then that's it that's it. That's all the information they get. And they're locked in the car and there's nothing that they can do about it. There's no way they can override it. So it soon becomes clear that these eight people are all being driven to the same destination where there's going to be this mass collision and they're all going to die. Oh, gosh. I know. So on the same day, there's a woman named Libby who is serving jury duty for the week. Only it's a jury just about car accidents that take place with these self-driving cars and either bicyclists or pedestrians or motorcyclists and it's who's at fault and so they get they get the information and they have to make they vote uh, like a jury does on on guilt suddenly in the the jury room the deliberation room where they are they're seeing on screens video of these eight people in their car and then they're hearing from a speaker, the hacker's voice saying what's happening, that these people are going to die and explaining the situation, which is that it's going to be up to the people in the jury room to decide that they can save one person out of the eight and who are they going to save. And then there's another element where these videos are being broadcast on social media. So people on Twitter are watching these eight people in their cars and and hearing the deliberations that are going on in the jury room and with hashtags and things can vote on who to save. So social media as as one entity becomes one of the votes and then the jurors become the other votes. As the story goes along, you learn more and more about the people that are in the car and each of the cars and it becomes evident that they all have secrets, that the reason that they're they're driving wherever they're supposed to be driving or whatever the situation was maybe isn't the full story but then the hacker starts exposing their full story which starts swaying people's opinion of who should be saved and not um so it's really fascinating and it's it's very very fast paced it's short chapters it's it's switching perspectives between the different people in the cars and the, the people in the jury room particularly that main character libby I found it very cinematic. Like I could just picture the movie that they're going to make from it. 
it's not that they are, but I just, <laughs> I just could say like, I mean, maybe they are, I don't know. And there are lots of twists and turns. Like you think you know what, what's happening and then, and then you don't. And so I just, I just think it's this, this really fun kind of edge of your seat read. Um, it's called The Passengers by John Mars. I'd heard of that one, but I now I want to move it up my list a lot because that it, sounds awesome. Yeah, it was. It, it's been a pleasant surprise. I don't know that it would have been. I don't know if I would have picked it up on my own. So it was yeah, a, it was. It kind of sounds like like a play on, and then there were none. In, in yeah, of, yeah. I, like, I think that's accurate. It's like yeah. a, and it's all. It's I like books where it takes current technology and imagines kind of the ultimate what will happen if we let yeah. that go in the direction it seems to be going, which obviously this is. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I, I'm enjoying it. Cool. Yeah. All right. So let's go back and list off all of our royal books we talked about. Um, I talked about The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Audier, The Daughter of Time by Josephine Tay, Victoria the Queen, An Intimate Biography of the Woman Who Ruled an Empire by Julia Baird. And what I'm reading this week is Kept Animals by Kate Milliken. Okay, and I talked about A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole, Royally Screwed by Emma Chase, Royals by Rachel Hawkins, and what I'm reading this week is The Passengers by John Mars. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast. If you could, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. I had to think, is that right? Is that what it's called? I still get confused. <laughs> our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode and other episodes. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you have thoughts on the royals or what Harry and Meghan are going to do, please talk to us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Or if you have book suggestions. We really want to. We really yeah. want to. If you have book suggestions for <laughs> books to read about royals, let us know. Um, have a great week. Happy reading. Happy reading.